Good morning. Welcome to Jesus in Coffee with Pastor Tom, where we have a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. We are in Proverbs 23 this morning. We're going to look at three verses. Uh, so let's say a prayer and get started. God bless us this morning. Open our eyes to truth. Help us to see your word clearly and know how to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's look at scripture. Um, again, so I took a long break. Um, over spring break and then just kind of got out of the habit of do, doing this. So I'm back at it now. But I want to remind you that uh, what we are in right now, what Solomon's doing this little section is he's giving 30 specific lessons. This was probably a teaching session. He probably had um, um, diplomats that worked for him and he was training them in basic um, etiquette and how to deal with other people when they would go on a diplomatic mission to another nation. And it seems to, to kind of hint at that. We don't know for sure, but it, it seems to kind of display that idea to us. So we can absolutely use these sayings as well, and we're kind of in the middle of, of that. Um, so let's go ahead and look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. Now, sometimes people can be so stubborn that it does not matter what you say to them in the moment. It does not matter how much sense you make, what you do, or anything. They're not going to listen. It's going to be a waste. And some people can be so ignorant and so stubborn and so angry in the moment that even if you say something that is wise and makes perfect sense, it does nothing but to fan the flame. It's like using a squirt gun to try to put out a, a grease fire on the stove. It just makes things worse. And so oftentimes in those cases, it's best just not to say anything. You say absolutely nothing. And that's wise. That's a very wise thing. Sometimes in this verse isn't saying that you just completely shut that person off altogether. But in that moment, you might need to wait for them to cool off before you say something. And I'm sure all of us have probably been in a situation like that. And some of us have maybe even been that angry person that needed to cool down first before they could listen properly. But it's just a wise thing to do. Don't fan the flame. Don't make it worse. Be wise and be quick to listen and slow to speak, thus slow to become angry. All right, verse 10 kind of switches um, something up here, but it's important and it, and it does apply to us today. Um, verse 10 says, Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their cause against you. Now, in ancient Hebrew culture, the way that they would keep up with um, lines um, as far as land and ownership of land, and, and they would set up stone markers. And these stone markers could easily be moved. Someone could sneak out there in the middle of the night, pick up a stone marker, move it 10 feet um, in the direction onto their neighbor's property, thus stealing a portion of their land. That's what it's referring to here. People could do that today. You could have a surveyor come out and put the little flags in the ground and you go out and move them a couple feet to give yourself a little more land. That is lying. That is stealing. It's no different there. Okay. 
Um, it's harder to do something like that today because we have satellites that do a lot of surveying and, and can tell us if a marker is off or not. But in this day and time, it was it, it's a sin. It's wrong. And in that culture, to do that is wrong. To enter the fields of the fatherless is to take something from someone who is already destitute. That's what that really means, okay? To go into their fields, to take some of their grain and their food in the middle of the night, a neighbor's land, and you want to take some of it and, and steal it. Um, that's what it's referring to there, okay? It mentions fatherless because a father was very, very important to his family. The head of the family was was so important because they were the one who took care of their family. They were the ones who provided for them financially. And so when a father would pass away, if there was not another male heir in line to step up and take control, oftentimes the, the widows and the orphans would be left destitute. Okay? And so we also read in other portions of Scripture that, that they are highlighted. Widows and orphans are highlighted um, as being a um, very important part of a community that you should take care of and not take advantage of. But the general idea here with verse 10 is don't steal, don't lie, don't take advantage of people. Okay? Don't, it's a sin. You're putting yourself before other people. You're not following the second greatest commandment of loving others. But here's, here's the verse that I really like that goes along with it, and that is verse 11. And we kind of get a little bit of prophecy here. We get a little bit of, of a, a point into the future. It says, For their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their cause against you. Now, in ancient um, Hebrew culture, the term Redeemer is a special term. And this term, as we know today, is a term that is always referred to and is used as a reference to Jesus Christ, okay? And we see it capitalized here, which tells us that that is the implication in some sense in this verse. But in ancient, ancient Hebrew culture, Redeemer referred to a family member who had a responsibility to take care of their extended family that might be destitute, okay? So, for example, let's say um, you have an elderly person who um, has children, and this elderly person, they, they are older, their body is failing them, maybe their mind is failing them, and their children, who are adults now and in their right mind, have a responsibility to take care of their parents. You would call them, in the Hebrew culture of this day and time, a redeemer for their parents, right? Because their parents are completely lost. They're not able to take care of themselves at all. They have no way to save themselves, in a sense, right? So they look to someone else to step in and redeem them. That's the idea behind it. Now you understand why this word in the future is used to describe what Jesus does for us, right? Because we are lost in sin. We have no way to save ourselves. We cannot get out of this sin. We are destitute and completely broken in this sin. And Jesus is one who can take care of us. He is one who can deliver us. Therefore, he is our redeemer, okay? So, the destitute, the fatherless, those there is a Redeemer who will look out for them. Don't forget that. Love others like Jesus loves others, okay? Because at the end of the day, one day we will stand before 
the judgment seat of Christ and answer for our treatment of other people and our actions. Did we love God? Did we love others? Or did we take advantage of them? The Redeemer, the one true Redeemer, Jesus Christ, he's going to hold us accountable for how we treated others. All right, so going to stop there. I hope this blessed you today. hope it taught you something new. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed weekend. At the end of the day, seek first the kingdom of God. Take care, and I will see you again Monday morning. Bye.